We're really blessed. We're going to go to Philippians 3. This week I read an article, made me laugh. Um, Has anybody ever thought uh, that you hear all these stories about people hanging paintings in their house that they bought for $8 and then finding out like many years later that they're worth millions. Has anybody ever heard of those stories? Uh, And don't you just, has anybody ever had the same thought where you're like, gee, I hope there's something that I underappreciate at home. That's like I pay my mortgage off. Can any, can I relate? Does that relate to anybody? You know, I'm like, uh, if there's any memorabilia or anything that's worth anything that I don't know about, I'm praying that one day I'm like, I even, I even say to the Lord, I'll tithe on it. Like, just give me, just give me something worth millions. I'll tithe. It'll be amazing. Uh, I read a story this week about a guy in uh, the states. He bought a farm in 1998. And uh, as he bought the farm, there was, you know, a handover from the previous farmer. And there was a rock that sat at the door. And he, and he said, uh, it's a comet um, from the 1930s. I use it as a doorstop. You can have it. It's too heavy to move. Um, so he kept it um, and went on farming, as you do as a farmer. And then many years later, he ends up taking uh, the, the meteorite uh, to a university. And it turns out that that rock that had been used as a doorstop was worth a hundred grand US for a rock. The moment I read that article, I was out in the backyard kicking things around, you know. You know, I went under the house thinking maybe there's something been left under there. Um, misrepresented value. It wasn't appreciated for what it was. And I often think about our freedom that we have in Christ and I don't want to, and the premise and the, the, the plan and the assignment for this message is I don't want to underappreciate the work of the cross. I see it, I recognise it for what it is, but I'm so familiar with it that I, I don't want it to mean that I begin to become lukewarm or not appreciate the great work that is, is. Does everybody agree and understand with what I'm saying? So as we go through the Word today, one of the challenges, and, you know, I'm just believing right now as well, like I'm not going to move on, um, appreciating something for its value. I just feel that there are some people in this room that need to appreciate the season that they're in right now. Felt the word season come straight to my heart as I was speaking that. And the discipline is when you're getting warmed up as a preacher, you ignore that stuff because you want to get into your rhythm. Um, But there are some people here in this room, uh, you're walking through a very special period of life. Don't wish it away. Recognize the value for what it is. God is blessing you right now. Don't undervalue it. Don't wish it away. Because there's blessing in this season that you need to be thanking God for. So Father, right now, we just thank you uh, that you are blessing us. Your blessing goes before us. Uh, Your blessing is behind us. It covers us. We thank you, Father, for who you are. And Lord, I pray if there are people that are sitting in a season of blessing and they're feeling frustrated, I pray that they would let go of that to recognise the blessing of where they are today, where they sit today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just be praying for Pastor John this morning. He's away with 55 of our men at a men's camp. Uh, They've been four-wheel driving. I know a lot of guys have come back this morning. So we greatly appreciate you driving back, but be praying for them. God is moving. There's great stuff going on uh, and it's an incredible time. 
Now, Philippians chapter 3, let's read it. Uh, It's called The Priceless Value of Knowing Christ. That's the title in my NLT uh, Bible. I like to read from the NLT. I like to read from from any Bible. But the NLT is at a lower reading level. I find it easier to work with the words. Um, So that's why I've chosen that translation for today's message. So it says this, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters... Rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, which is interesting already that you've got to be continually reminded of the goodness of God. We can forget what we walk in. We can not have it at the front and centre of our heart. And what he's saying is, I do this. I constantly remind you of God's goodness. Why? Because I do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators, who say you must be circumcised to be saved. We know that in the context of this scripture, uh, Paul is attacking uh, Jewish um, uh, beliefs that you need to do uh, physical observance of the law as well as uh, um, other holidays and eating uh, rituals in order to walk in relationship with God. But what he is saying when he says you mutilators of the flesh, he's saying you don't need those things. When you have Jesus, you don't need those things. That's the context. And then it says this. This one is a beautiful line. We rely on what Christ has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reasons for confidence in their own effort, this is Paul. He says, I have even more than you. If anybody can be reliant on working to earn favour and blessing from God, it's me. He says, I was circumcised, verse 5, when I was eight days old. Tick for the religious side. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. Tick. A member of the tribe of Benjaminite. I'm going to keep ticking, so I'm going to stop that. A real Hebrew, if there was ever one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, human effort. I once thought that this human effort, all this religious stuff I'm doing, I once thought it really had merit and was really, really valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else, Alf, Alf, you like that? Alf, Alf. It's that season almost. (laughs) Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with, and this is what really made me sit on this scripture this week. Everything else is worthless compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake. I've disregarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. Uh, Old ones say excretion. Um, There can be many, many definitions there. Rubbish, poop, whatever you want to put it. So that I could gain Christ. Everything else is pointless and worthless so that I could gain Christ. I was willing to give it all up And and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. 
For God's way of making us right with Him depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Him from the dead. I want to suffer with Him. A very popular preaching topic. Sharing in His death. So that one day, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Father, we just pray you speak through your words today. We want to grow closer to you, Jesus. Nothing else. Everything else is not as important right now in this moment. Father, we're here to gather because we want to honour you, Jesus. We're here because you are our number one priority. We're here because we love you. And Father, we are grateful that you sent your son. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul's big theme, whenever you read through his letter, is always going to land with justification through faith. There's nothing else. Faith makes you righteous. Faith in who? Not in anyone, not in works, not in ability, not in any other God, but faith in Jesus Christ who lived and died on a cross and rose again on the third day. Now he was raised for our justification, which we'll get to, but effectively that justification is right standing, begins with faith in Jesus, making you right with God. This is the theme that he is always running down. And he says this, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus. So what really matters? It's knowing Jesus. Simple. Love him, obey him, pursue him passionately. Paul talks that there are, there are many other things that try to creep in on the priorities of serving Jesus. Human effort, he talks about. And he says, look, if there was anybody that had the right to go with human effort, it's him. You know, he, he's born in the right place, circumcised at the right time, belonged to the right school, did it better than anybody else. But yet he realised that all of it was completely worthless because we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us and we put no confidence in human effort. We rely on Christ alone. Now, relying on things in our culture should be something that we're actually able to attain, understand, take a hold of pretty easily because we rely on a lot of stuff. Uh, who here is good at reading a map? Give me a wave. There'll be some people, you know, we've got some people that love walking through, you know, the bush and finding things. And, but who here is good at using Google Maps? You know what I mean? Like you're driving back from Geelong, there's always a roadworks, there's always an accident and it says we are creating a detour and you know, when I was a kid and a detour happened, your parents would stress out, they'd be flicking through the malways, be gone in Jesus' name. <laughs> you know, and they're trying to figure out what it is. I still remember as a young man, my mum was the, uh, I'm going to call it the narrator, that's not the word I'm looking for, navigator. Thank you, Jan. The navigator. And I remember my dad going, mum's holding the, the male waves and, and she goes, I don't know where we are. And my dad goes, yeah, that's because we're here. <laughs> but now these days, detour, who cares? It says rerouting. 
and we're completely reliant and trusting in the Google Maps. Now, you know what? This is good because I never would have taken up caravanning if it meant using a Malways because uh, it would ruin the holiday with stress for me. But I have the ability to go. It's actually as long as my phone is charged, my reception is good while my data is not being stolen from hackers. Man, I've had some tough week, church. Pray for me. Optus, Essendon, it's killing me. It's killing me. It's killing me. I gave back my membership for all those that are going to ask. I gave it back. I love that you're applauding. Appreciate you. Thanks, I need it. Quick, bring the band. Let's close in prayer. Oh, Lord, we pray for that club. I said I wouldn't pray for them ever again, but I'm going for it. Father, help our society. Help Christians not to shrink back, but step forward. Help them to own what we believe. Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I got here today by a car. That when we headed out the door this morning and we turned it on, we were trusting the reliability of the car to work in order to get us here today. Happy to rely on that. It's acceptable. You know, the, the easy one, everyone's relying that this chair will hold your weight. Who remembers the Mill Park days, hey? Amen. We weren't trusting and relying on those chairs. They break during the service. I don't know, it was Gert's birthday this week. Let's give, we love you. It's talking about, uh, you know, the, the things that people remember when they first joined communities, and that was one of them. You know, recently I, I was, uh, you know, and I've said I had the colonoscopy, but when you're looking at that anaesthetist, you're reliant on the fact that they know what they're doing as you're going to sleep, hey? How many people have met an anaesthetist and go, tell me about your qualifications and experience? You're in pyjamas, you're half naked, you're like, just tr I trust you. <laughs> I don't even know your name. <laughs> but we're reliant on things. This is the reality of where we are. But at the end of the day, all of those things mentioned are secondary. Because what's important to all of us consistently, no one will, will deviate from this statement. At the end of the day, we want to be in right standing with God. You can have the whole world, you can have every resource, you can have everything, you can have health, but you will not have health forever. And at the end of the day, the main thing that we are reliant upon is the work of Jesus Christ so that when I stand before God, I'm in right standing with Him. And Paul is really painting a clear picture here in Scripture that it's not about relying on yourself. It's not about relying on your ability. It is about the work of Jesus Christ. We rely on Christ's work alone and put no confidence in human effort. So are there things in my world that I'm putting too much dependence on? that are trying to move in and take the primary position of Christ. Now, there's always two sides to the coin, which I'm going to now try to articulate to our community is this, is that when, when it's all about Jesus, it actually releases a little bit of pressure. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. I am not perfect. And uh, I think that there is, at the moment, an attack on the confidence of Christians, which as a church, we are going to speak into. Just want to let you know that we have a guy, uh, who's, who's ever heard of the course Valiant Man? 
Uh, we've booked in Alan Meyer to come here for two weeks. Uh, we're going to begin to talk into things in our community so that when people ask you questions on your journey about abortions, questions about homosexuality, we, we, we don't panic because I love you and I want to represent Jesus well. But I don't want to shrink back from what I believe. I don't want to take a sideward step from what the Word of God says. But at the same time, at the moment, my confidence is so under attack. There is a council culture in this world. And I'm actually walking, battling. Do I walk by faith? Do I walk by sight? Am I in fear? Either way right now, something's going on. I'm triggered. I'm intimidated. And how do I move forward? And the win about the... The work of the cross is that we are no longer required to have perfection. We are required to have relationships. So that means, hey, I didn't get it right. Oh, I, I answered that question poorly. Oh I, oh, I didn't really handle that situation well. You know, they were really aggravating me, so I let them have it. You know, there, there are things that you go down the road of where you're like, I am not perfect, but I'm trying and I love Jesus. And He doesn't call me to be perfect. He calls me to be growing. And with the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, I can actually live that way today. But I need to submit all the areas of my life, all the fears, all the mindsets that I have so that I can walk in His covering. But I don't rely on my perfection. I put all my hope and trust in the name of Jesus. And because of my love for Him, I'll keep growing. Because of my desire to be in relationship with Him, I'll keep trying to be better. It's important to understand that it's about Jesus. But if it's truly about Jesus, you'll be growing, you'll be developing, you'll be maturing. You won't be consistently making the same mistakes. So where is Jesus in my picture? Are there things I should let go of? Do I let my reliance on Jesus be the definition and the defining marker of my life or do I let other things that I rely on? Because Christ is my number one priority. Second observation I made in this scripture uh, as I began to ponder it is that when you look at Paul's life, freedom doesn't mean easy. I like easy. We all like easy. And, and Christ came to set us free and, and free indeed we will be as we walk in him. But that does not mean easy. And often this isn't popular to talk about, but now we face a world, we, we, face, we are a generation that we need to recognise that, that easy won't be an option. But faithfulness, spirit-led, strength, conviction will help us continue to endure. So in, uh, in Philippians 3.5, it talks about all of the mandates at why he could be uh, reliant on himself. He realises that all of the religious sacrifices that he's made personally don't mean anything. He begins then to talk about the fact that it's worthless compared to the infinite value of knowing Jesus. 
limitless value in knowing Jesus. Now, right now, when you face suffering, it doesn't feel like it's infinite, but when it counts, when we stand before God, we will understand, we will recognise and we will walk in the infinite value of knowing Jesus. But we can still live that way today. Paul here, when he, when he talks about his personal relationship uh, being that Jesus is at the very centre of my life and that everything else is like garbage, what he's really doing is joyfully accepting the loss of everything else for the joy of a personal relationship with Jesus. And as I pondered and thought about Paul's life, I began to think of Luke chapter 14, 25. If you flick there or make a note wherever you're writing notes, Jesus actually talks about counting the cost of being a disciple. This is Jesus talking to crowds. And he says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. He's talking about counting the cost. Would you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Absolutely you would. For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying the person began to build but wasn't able to finish. Paul is echoing, I've counted the cost of following Jesus. I've weighed it that it has greater value than anything else. So I am all in. Following Jesus today, I need to continue to reinforce this, is worth it. It has infinite value. But it may cost you something. Receiving Jesus, we've always, we've always heard the terminology, you know, to receive Jesus is free. But it will cost you your life. But let me put it into context today as we, we look at the news as we see people, you know, you know, I flick, we, we flick back to guys that are in CEO positions and, you know, I look at the, the Essendon scenario and you go, you've got Andrew picking the church over picking the club. Of course he's going to pick the church. He's met Jesus. The infinite value in knowing Jesus is going to surpass anything. But for us, it could cost you acceptance. Popularity. Employment, opportunity. But Paul goes, I put greater value on knowing Jesus. If Jesus is my number one, which is what Paul is saying, I happily give up anything to know Jesus. You know what that means in our context? That if Jesus is number one, then your hurts might need to take second place. If Jesus is number one, then your opinion might need to take second place. If Jesus is number one, your availability may need to take second place. But knowing Christ is infinitely greater. And I'd rather have favour with God than favour with man. He then goes on. He doesn't just talk about the fact that I'm willing to give up everything to follow Jesus, but he actually, in verse 10, talks about the emphasis of 
why he pursues Jesus and, and actually what he wants to receive from that relationship. And in, in verse 10, it says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Jared, I might get you to join me a bit earlier. I, um, you know, constantly, uh, I'm at that stage of life now where I feel like I'm not exactly, I'm, I don't think I'm a young man anymore. I don't think I'm old. I mean, you know, but I'm in that middle, middle uh, you know, the temptation of a midlife crisis is there almost, you know. Um, but, but one of the things that um, I'm experiencing is I'm in the first year of life without any grandparents being alive. And um, it might even be the second year. I'm not great with dates. My nan passed away um, into the second year. And I was flicking through. I went to the barber with uh, Lila and she was bored and we were flicking through photos on our phone. I want to say our, it's my phone, but, you know, some, all parents feel like it's our sometimes. And um, <laughs> came across a photo of my nan. Her name was Rita Patterson. She was my hero. Um, and there was a really special moment in my life that I'm grateful uh, it happened. Talk about valuing the moments you're in and recognise them for what they are. Uh, Christmas Day, uh, a couple years back, um, saw my nan. I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, and I've shared this with you before, go and give your nan a hug. But I mean, give her a hug. And I went up to my nan and she had her oxygen tank, she had lung cancer, and um, put my arm around her. And, you know, she was, she's the leader of the banter. She is the, the pioneer of extrovertedness in our family. And uh, every dance floor growing up, she was the centre of every volume. She was, the, she was all about having a good time. So I put my arm around her initially thinking, you know, this will be a smile and a giggle, just trying to obey the Holy Spirit. And um, she turned, put her arms around me and just began to cry. And um, she said, I'm scared. And I was able to pray with her. And we hugged her. And April was smart enough somehow to capture that moment and take photos of it. It was the last time I ever saw my nan. And I'm grateful that I knew her. It wasn't just the same relationship as I know of LeBron James, a basketball player. I know his stats, I know his life, I know his family, I know his kids' names, but I don't know him. But my nan, my grandma, I knew her voice, I knew her smell, I knew her love, I knew her kindness. And when Paul is sharing in Scripture, and he actually says the words, I want to know him. It was about a personal relationship. It wasn't just to know of Jesus, it was to know him. 
I was to experience his love. It was not just to know of, it was to know intimately. He says, I want to know him. So that's where the infinite value is. It's in deep, beautiful relationship with Jesus. We want to know you, Father. We want to know you more. If we have moved priorities around, we bring you back to the centre. Everything else is secondary. We want to know you. But he then goes on in the Scripture to say, and experience. He wants to know Him, but now He wants to experience His resurrection power. When we look at that in Scripture, I love Romans 4.25. It's one of my favourite verses in the Bibles. He was delivered over to death for our sins, but was raised to life for our justification. The power of the resurrection of Jesus is that we're justified. The power of the resurrection, experiencing the power of that resurrection means I get to experience relationship with our Heavenly Father. He wants to know Jesus. He wants to experience relationship and right standing with our Heavenly Father. But He says, I want to suffer with Him. And as I prayed into that, this is naturally not a fun part of being a preacher. the Lord gave me an experience that began to form an understanding of why we shouldn't run from suffering. And let me explain it to you. The power of a joined experience. You know, I love hearing the testimonies of the Rev Youth Camp. They went away as a youth group. They've come back as a family. They're connecting. It's deeper, shared experience. Last Sunday, I was on annual leave. I ran the Melbourne Half Marathon and As I was running, I get to about halfway, three quarters of the way through the race and I'm tired. I'm running. I got caught up in the emotion and ignored everything and just was running. And I started getting tired. And then this random guy I'd never met before named Dave starts running with me. Come on, man. We started encouraging one another. You know, and we're we're encouraging and we're running and he's telling me his story and I'm telling him my story and we're suffering, we're hurting, we're breathing hard, we're running. Uh, We get to the end and we cross the finish line and then it was like we were brothers. It was like, man, my God, high five, you're sweaty, regret, you know. And then I start thinking, he don't look like he got any diseases. I'm overthinking it. He's got sweat everywhere. He's a big dude. It was, it was, he was a big dude. It was like running with Justin, like big. Like I was like absorbed into like the, you know. Like, hey, 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 hey. Um, but we had suffered together. And as that joint experience of suffering, it brought deeper relationship. Paul in the Scripture says, I want to suffer with Him because Paul has obviously recognised that suffering, especially for the Gospel, brings a deeper fellowship with Christ. So sometimes we will endure struggles. We will endure hard times, but do not avoid them. Do not run from them because they can bring you into closer relationship with Jesus. 
So suffering actually pays off because to know Jesus better means I'm closer to the one who brings infinite value, limitless value to my life because of His work on the cross to redeem me. Thank You, Jesus, for the blood of Christ. Thank You, Jesus, that it washed me white. Thank You, Jesus, You saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glorious light. Charlie, if you come back up, we're going to sing that song again, but now with the mindset of Paul. The mindset being, I'd give up anything to follow Jesus. Everything else is secondary to follow Jesus. I don't just want to know of Him, I want to know Him personally. I want to walk in resurrection power. And if suffering brings me closer, I've calculated the cost and I'm all in. So can we stand for a moment? I want to encourage you now, bring the lights down, please, Russ. There's going to be no altar call today. I will do a salvation appeal in a moment. But this moment I wanted to get to because I think often we don't sit in reverence of the work of the cross, of the value that Christ brings to our life. We've heard it. We're here every week. But Holy Spirit, I pray that You bring fresh understanding, fresh revelation, fresh perspective of what You've done and why everything should be second. We count everything else as garbage, but to know You. So I want to encourage you, would you raise your hands in this moment? Charlie, begin to sing when you're ready. And let's sing.